Hey, this is Louisiana Sister Squad podcast, where we bring you real information to enhance your truther lifestyle. I'm Katie. And I'm Tammy. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Kalina, also known as That Liberty Chick on Instagram. We'll be discussing her journey from the medical field to being a medical freedom fighter as she advocates for rights for medical freedom, as well as bringing awareness to the childhood vaccine schedule and correlation to adverse reactions. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you both having me on your show. My name is Kalina. I have an Instagram called That Liberty Chick. And I um, am just so excited to be here today to meet your audience, to um, share my story and everything. Thank you for joining us. Um, We are equally as excited to have you. You are an advocate for vaccine injured and vaccine injured children, especially because your son personally was vaccine injured, correct? Yes. Um, so my son, he is five years old. When I had him, I worked in medicine and I didn't understand anything to do with vaccines, the childhood vaccines. I didn't even really, even though I had gone to school, like I didn't understand how much the schedule had changed. So I felt a lot of pressure. I went ahead and did basically every single one. I didn't know which ones were required for school, which ones weren't. And um, so he had all the childhood vaccines. It wasn't until right before some of his last rounds that I started to learn a little bit and like start to question. Um, But that was probably back in 2018, 19, where it was like, nobody was really talking about it then. So he ended up getting all all of his childhood vaccines um, about, I think he was about his 15 months. And I still, at that time, I still didn't even connect it. He started to, you know, have changes. And when I look back at videos and photos now, I could see like, how much he changed like in his demeanor and everything for like several months, like just even through photos. Um, So basically it was like about six months later or so when people started to, you know, like I was looking for babysitters and stuff, people started to kind of make comments. I was realizing, you know, by then he was like well over, he was about one and a half. He wasn't talking, Um, you know, he was having kind of like some it, like the doctor tried to call it and I don't remember if it was that year or the next year, but like sensory stuff, you know, kind of like a little motions with his hands and everything. And I still didn't connect it. And I didn't even, you know, like autism, things like that was not even on my radar, you know, but as he kind of got a little bit older um, and he still wasn't talking and he was still kind of having these behaviors that I didn't know weren't, weren't necessarily normal. You know, he was my first child. I started to, you know, look into it a little bit more. And so about then he was over two years old when I started to really kind of understand, I was starting to read. Um, I got exposed to children's health events, like a Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s work. And I started to really put it all together, like about that point. So since then, I've really tried to educate myself as much as possible on what vaccine injury is, what um, childhood schedule entails, like all the different issues that can come from that. And it definitely was like the thing that led me away from even working in medicine because I felt like looking back, like I have been so duped by this entire industry. So um, now 
I no longer work in medicine. I am a fitness coach. I work with people helping them get healthy. I can still, you know, do things like looking at their blood work, helping them make lifestyle changes and everything like that. But I, I basically stepped away from medicine. I spend a lot of my focus now speaking on social media about the dangers of vaccines and the childhood schedule and basically how there's, you know, immunity from liability given by Congress. I believe it was the 99th Congress back in 1986. Why there's no liability for these manufacturers and how that's become the vaccine industry. Basically, when they lost liability, they start to just create product after product. And now we see over the, that 40 year period, almost 40 year period, like a slew of autoimmune issues and everything in children. So everything from autism to asthma, eczema, type one diabetes, um, you know, all types of like juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, all kinds of different things like that. Anaphylactic allergies, like I'm wondering why, you know, people wonder why, like, why are children allergic to peanuts today when they didn't used to be? Well, there's a common denominator there. And that is the fact that they're going and having their immune system artificially stimulated by their pediatricians, dose after dose after dose, you know, before the age of two years. So I spend a lot of time talking, advocating about that. I have tried to get into, you know, supporting different various health freedom bills, um, you know, standing up in my community, trying to help empower others when they want to say no to something, like empower them how to say no to that. And um, yeah, so basically that's kind of what I'm doing. I think I have a, a lot more things in the future that I want to do with this, but um, you know, you always have to start somewhere and kind of grow up from there. So. So following up with, you know, everything that you've uncovered and discovered and realized um, pushing forward from whenever you realized that it was the vaccines that, you know, made your son develop um, his sensory issues how did you go about finding, um, you know, just regular pediatricians and stuff to work with you? Yeah. So basically after my son and he, he's pretty much like, essentially he has autism. We didn't seek a formal diagnosis because, um, basically you only need that if you're going to do ABA therapy. He went to see a neurologist. He was diagnosed with, um, you know, developmental delays with stereopathy, which is like stimming. So basically autism, although the, the neurologist can't diagnose autism, only like these specialized um, autism practitioners can do that, apparently. So um, once I kind of started to put the full picture together, what I proceeded to do was not what most people do. Instead of doing all the therapies, instead of continuing to see the pediatrician, I basically, you know, kept him back, like worked with him at home on reading um, to teach him how to talk because he was two and a half before he talked. So I worked with him myself, you know, with that, with flashcards, like hours a day, I probably have like a hundred children's books, like fully memorized, you know, and that was what it took to get him to talk. Like I had to read the rhyme and like leave off the last word. And then finally he'd start to try to say that word. And um, eventually from there, you know, he went on to like being able to name a lot of things, but still even like actual dialogue was very difficult for him until maybe like last year, um, still getting better all the time. But anyways, that aside, um, so basically what I did was work with him at home and I, I took him, I read a book by Jody Meshuk. I don't know if y'all know it, it's called Autism Reimagined. And she does a lot of holistic things. Um, she had a son with autism that she basically 
says, you know, she recovered. He's older. I don't think she shows like he doesn't, she doesn't show her children a lot from what I've seen, like, you know, videos of them or anything, but she says that he's basically recovered. She used a lot of different things like, you know, natural stuff, gluten-free, casein-free, um, let's see, like essential oils, all kind of different stuff. So I read her book. I read so many other books. There was another one called like Disconnected Children. I think I read about half of that. I don't think I finished it, but all about kind of like um, how children nowadays like with autism, with ADHD and stuff, they have kind of like almost like their brain is kind of like disconnected in a way that it's not all working together and how to help them integrate that. Um, and I read several other books too. I think there was another one called Almost Autism. And basically they were saying similar stuff about the diet, different things like that. So I was like, okay, I feel pretty confident. I want to go in this kind of natural direction. So I took him to a natural path, a natural path here in Lafayette. Um, and she did a bunch of, you know, she didn't do blood work at that time, but she did something called an oats test and that like test for like organic acids and also looked at all of his vitamin profiles for any vitamin deficiencies because he's a very picky eater. And um, she that was a urine test. And then she did a hair test too to test for heavy metals and things like that. So, um, and then she gave him a regimen of, you know, diet of gluten-free, dairy-free, you know, trying to be pretty much sugar-free um, and then a bunch of, you know, he had low vitamin levels and stuff. So we did vitamin C, all, all kind of different vitamins, B vitamins, multivitamins, and different things like that. You know, not like a full detox system or anything, but just things to support him um, because she had found signs of like mitochondrial dysfunction. And so I did that. And it wasn't until um, his dad and I actually separated, I think, last well, it was last year that he kind of wanted him to go back to a traditional pediatrician he uh, I think that was about when he wanted him to do like maybe speech therapy stuff like that and you know to try to like be um on the same page actually I think he did he did do okay hold on I'm a backup because that's actually wrong now that I think about it he actually did do a few sessions of speech therapy like before we had separated like earlier that year so we had taken him to try to find him a, um, a pediatrician. I think we took him to a regular doctor. That didn't go over very well, actually, because they weren't used to seeing children like on the spectrum, didn't really know what to do. So they had referred us to the neurologist at that point, we saw them. And then it was like a few months later that we had to start to search for another pediatrician or maybe it was even longer than that. I'm getting my timelines a little mixed up. But basically, I got my naturopath to give us a recommendation. She found us somebody who does not push vaccines. And of course, I still went in there so nervous about it that I was like probably over the top, just adamant. You know, they were probably like, get this lady out of my office. But I was like, we're not doing any vaccines. Never bring them up. I do not want to hear about it. If you don't like this, you know, then this isn't going to work for us. Um, and the poor, you know, doctor had a student at that point too. So she was probably like totally frightened. Um, she was like, this is what the moms are like now. <laughs> and um, basically I just made it very clear, but that naturopath was the person that helped me find a good pediatrician who wasn't going to push that on us because um, I think it is, it can be difficult because a lot of these doctors probably don't want to advertise themselves like in Facebook groups, stuff like that, in case they kind of come under fire for not, you know, pushing vaccines and everything. So you kind of have to find somebody else 
who recommends them or a person like that, like a, like a naturopath that is going to help you. Um, I would think chiropractors too. Like if you have like one of those, um, chiropractors that do, um, some of the work with like, you know, retained reflexes and stuff, they might also have a good connection with like a pediatrician, um, that doesn't push like vaccines or traditional medicine. Hi, I'm Jill Hines, co-director of Health Freedom Louisiana, a consumer and human rights advocacy organization. We fight for your right to say no to an unwanted medical intervention, and we'd like for you to fight with us. Find us at healthfreedomla.org and sign up for our Substack, and let's be in touch. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the show. Do you have a question for our podcast guest? We got you covered. Your opportunity to speak directly with our podcast guest awaits. Join us on the Uncensored Platform Telegram. Link in bio. Now back to the show. I noticed on your Instagram, definitely pushing forward with a lot of health and fitness and then also still advocating um, and talking about what's happening today. I think a lot of us has even, I know I personally have seen the ads um, about people trying to um, sue Tylenol or there's some kind of class action lawsuit involved with Tylenol and they're saying that that's linked to autism. I saw that you had some information on that and was wondering if you'd be willing to share that here today. Yes, thank you so much. This is something I was about to try to transition into this so we didn't miss it because I think it's so important. So like you said, um, you know, can things change or are, are, are they going to change without, you know, like a massive change in the healthcare system as far as like when it comes to autism numbers, when it comes to all of these different vaccines and everything. And the truth is, is that studies, you know, studies, articles, whatever are showing and pointing to the fact that it's already changing. You know, we are already making an impact ever since 2020 vaccine, um, vaccine uptake for children has decreased. And that's actually, you know, it's obviously so important and such a great thing but it has implications that are undesirable for the pharmaceutical companies. So one of those is going to be a decrease in the incidence of a lot of these autoimmune issues that children are having because they're getting less, less vaccines. They have never admitted to the fact that vaccines cause autism. They lie about it. They've never admitted to, you know, although you can find the data that vaccines can cause type 1 diabetes, they don't admit to it. They sidestep the issue. Um, so we are going to see reductions in these things if parents continue not to vaccinate. And if they vaccinate late, we will still see, you know, you, you, if they vaccinate late, you could still end up with things like type 1 diabetes, eczema, all kind of different things like that, skin issues and stuff. But if they vaccinate late, are they going to end up with autism? Probably not. So autism is a big one, and it's something that parents have been coming at these companies you know, for trying to expose them, different organizations like Children's Health Defense have to for literally decades and they've just been silenced and called anti-vaxxers and spreaders of misinformation. So when the rates of vaccine uptake go down in children, what's going to happen? The rates of autism are going to go down. We know that the rates of autism are climbing and if they have a sudden drop that correlates to the fact that people aren't vaccinating anymore, that's a huge red flag for them. That is literally outing them right there and then. So I believe, and nobody else has said this, this is my personal belief and like my discernment on the topic. This Tylenol, uh, okay, so first of all, Tylenol does deplete glutathione in the liver. Lots of people say that if you give Tylenol and a vaccine, 
at the same time, you would increase risk of autism and different issues like that because it's hurting the detoxification pathway. So it's not like a benign medicine. It does have danger to it, of course. But to say that it's the cause of autism is not, it, there's no mechanism of, of action there aside from not detoxifying. The mechanism of action, the thing that makes the most sense with autism is aluminum. Aluminum containing vaccines um, cause your body to have an overreactive immune response to the pathogen to create a bunch of antibodies. That's what it's for. But you can also end up with a lot of autoimmune issues from that because you're literally overstimulating your immune system to a level that is not natural. Many, many of the childhood vaccines have a lot of aluminum in them, and they'll try to pretend to you like it's not a lot, but it really is. Also, they'll try to pretend you like, oh, it's not as much as like food or maybe it's a little bit more or whatever. They try to play that game. But the truth is, is that the route of administration matters. And when you inject aluminum, that's a lot different than when you eat aluminum. So um, anyway, so since that is a lot more likely to be the cause based on the fact of what we know, um, what they're doing here is they're trying to, you know, sidestep this issue by blaming the Tylenol, which we know can have an issue with like not helping your liver to detoxify different things, but it's not going to have a mechanism of action to really cause autism. But if they blame the Tylenol simultaneously while parents stop, you know, so the parents are just seeing this. They don't even have to win the class action lawsuit. Parents are seeing autism, Tylenol. I'm not going to give my kid Tylenol anymore and they're not going to give it, but they also didn't get vaccines. Okay, so now they've, they've convinced that parent that they saved their child from autism by not giving their child Tylenol. They'll change the re recommendations at the end of this or they'll pivot away from Tylenol, but that's never gonna have been the real culprit. That's my thoughts. This is like a bait and switch here. They're trying to blame the Tylenol, but in reality, they know that people aren't vaccinating as much. Um, I did see another thing with Del Bigtree. Um, I don't know if y'all probably know him from the High Wire. He had he had a guest on this summer, and this is kind of like what got my wheels turning, where they were talking about the WHO, and I've never been able to really find this, but he said that the WHO was calling into question aluminum and is it safe. So I don't know if they have an ultimate goal there of eliminating aluminum from vaccines by switching to mRNA. That would be my guess, but I haven't been able to find anything about it. Um, but what I do know is that they did recently come out with an article um, that says that aluminum adjuvants have been linked to increased risk of asthma. So they are admitting to the asthma, but they haven't admitted to the um, to the autism. So I do think that there's going to be like a three-step process here where they kind of try to, to pivot away from aluminum adjuvants towards mRNA. I don't know if that's really beneficial overall, but either way, it would be like a shift in the side of our profile. And I'm not sure, like this is just hypothesis here and me guessing and wondering like what they're going to do. But As a matter of fact, on that topic, I actually did see, I guess maybe it was a type of like uh, deposition where they're going in for questioning, so not quite on trial. And they had, um, I believe he was a neurologist, and he's talking about the buildup of aluminums um, in your brain. And so this is from vaccine, he's talking about vaccines, the aluminum particles in it, how it builds up in your brain. And then that's also linked to Alzheimer's and dementia. So I think people like in our age range will start to see 
um, since we were right at the beginning of being so heavily vaccinated, a lot of us, and then the people right under us, um, we might see an even more, uh, like a younger population start to have these, you know, these problems, this brain fog, dementia, Alzheimer's, things like that. So that's something else that I didn't mention. There's actually two other things that go hand in hand with that, which I would love to see that because I could definitely do it like an entire you know, real and a segment on that. But um, basically, okay, so I have an article, this is from 2018. And I think I found another article too, I believe it's from 2018. I found another article too, but um, they were measuring the aluminum content in the brains of people with autism, you know, after they passed away, they were looking at their brains, and they found the highest levels that they've ever measured of aluminum in some of these samples, and they were all high, like, all very high levels of aluminums. I have had lots of different people look at this article and they're all astonished. You know, when I bring this up and people try to argue with me on Twitter about vaccines don't cause autism, all this stuff, and I, I started sending them to this, you know, article to the link, it's like almost a game changer with the entire conversation. Now, this goes hand in hand with the fact that um, a company just came out with a test for autism to predict autism, essentially, that uses like very few hairs and it looks for toxins and one of the things that looks for they look for lead and aluminum content and um and then other nutrients and things like that now the other nutrients might just be correlation a lot of people with autism are definitely picky eaters and everything so i don't know exactly i tried to look up the company and see everything that was on the panel I couldn't find it but i definitely did see one of the main things that it test for is aluminum so that all kind of creates this whole picture and especially with what you are saying on top of that that it's coming out that aluminum in the brain is the issue now personally on a personal note i will say i worked in healthcare basically from 25 till 34 i think um about there every single year they required us to get a um flu shot and it actually maybe i even started a little bit before that it was about 10 years though between i was a nurse assistant I went to physician assistant school and then I practiced medicine as a physician assistant. They made us get a flu shot every single year. And I will say, and this is just anecdotal, like my own experience, I have not had a flu shot since 2019. So it's been, yeah, 2019, because I said no in 2020. The point is, is that I have noticed a difference in my cognition level since I stopped getting the flu vaccine. Now, is that the case? Like, is that the reason? I don't know. Maybe it's like less stress because I don't work at the hospital anymore or, you know, I've had more time to work out or I'm not doing, you know, like crazy shifts or something, you know, although I only really worked like PRN towards the end. But I will say personally, I don't have the brain fog that I did back then, you know, that I experienced, you know, just kind of the, those like overtaxed mental feeling and everything. And I, I wonder sometimes if that has to do with not getting the flu shot. Um, I don't know, I guess we can talk about this and kind of, I don't know if you want to transition into like the COVID vaccine and everything, but um, basically I had gone along, like when I worked in the hospital, I had gone along with the, um, the flu shot requirement all the way until 2020 when I started to learn about the truth about vaccines. And I was like, you know, if you don't say no now and you don't take a stand, like they're going to, you'll never be able to say no. And especially when they come out with this COVID vaccine, because it was like in the works, you'll never be able to say no then. And I wasn't even like 100% anti-vax then. I was just 
starting to really wake up and question them like one by one. But the one, one of the ones that I knew all along that I didn't believe in at all, and there wasn't data to support was this flu shot. So I decided in 2020 to say no for the first time to my hospital. You know, I fill out the form and it was like near the deadline too. I was like, whatever, you know, I filled out their form, sent it back, you know, to uh, my practice manager and everything was fine. You know, they made me sign something. Now, like a week or so later, I get contacted and, um, you know, the hospital doesn't approve this. All you wrote on here and, you know, as we all live in Louisiana, for school children here, at least we have personal, um, we have medical and we have religious exemptions as well as like just you can there's like a title where you can just dissent to vaccines for your children um that doesn't necessarily apply to adults but i was like you know what if that's the standard in this state i'm just gonna say personal philosophical exemption and not not give them any more details than that and just leave it there you know so these uh, came back to me, we don't necessarily approve this. You know, there was a lot of back and forth. I said, okay, well, what are you gonna do? You know, cause I'm not gonna change my mind now. So what? what is the, what's the consequence? Oh, we don't know. We need to talk to this person, that person. You know, it was like days or like a week of like back and forth. And I'm like, well, your deadline for this thing is whatever date. And I have to work like three days after that. So you need to decide because that's a weekend you need to decide before i have to work because otherwise because apparently you don't want me there you know and they went back and forth and people were calling me trying to convince me trying to ask me why why you know all kind of just wasted time type of stuff and at that point i just told them i'm not discussing it with you because all you're going to do is that like people are just going to try to convince you at that point and i was like there's no point in trying to convince me so i'm not discussing this like no is the answer and whatever y'all have to do about that you just let me know you know so it gets to like basically like the day before i had to work or something you know like the friday and then i get an email from somebody very high up in my provider group that says oh we approved your exemption but i had to think like okay well that's great but would they have approved it if i was a nurse would they have approved it if i was like a tech would they have approved it you know because that's technically different that's technically the hospital that they work for inside the provider group you know would would they have believed somebody enough that they gave in? Um, so you have to wonder about that because they really used all the tactics. And if I wasn't like ironclad, like they were going to try to get me to fold. So um, I had that exemption. So then when they came out with like the, the mRNA vaccines and everything, it never I never worked long enough to get to the point to find out if they even ever mandated them. But I knew that they would not be able to push it on me at that point. So and I also knew that if they couldn't push it on me, then I would be able to help, you know, other people. But it, you're so right to give that advice to, you know, you have to say no and no means no. And I really, um, I really liked when, when I was having that conversation with Jill and I was like, you know, you really have to call it medical rape. That's the only thing that's going to like make people wake up and understand what forcing medication on someone means and no means no. And then she also shared with us that she would be advocating to just get rid of the exemption and no means no. So we know what's coming up next for her, but let's turn it back to you. What do you have coming up next um, as far as in line for um, further advocating and education on vaccine injury? Um, so there's definitely a few things that I would like to do. One of the things that I have 
started like so when i send out that article to different people i'm basically vetting it for is anyone going to send it back to what are people going to say about this article what do they think about it and um i would like to find a couple of other articles too to kind of complement that but i think there's a lot of other data out there too just like this test that just came out that's brand new um so something that i would like to put together this is something i've been thinking about for probably the better part of nine months but it's been a crazy year is coming up with something that people can present to their healthcare provider of like this is why i either either this is why i feel that my child got autism from vaccines or this is why i feel like you're putting them at risk if you give them these vaccines and basically you know i would like it to be kind of like a letter form to the pediatricians and either have you know if, if you feel your child was harmed there's kind of a space to fill in like the details of when and all about your child and everything to give to your pediatrician some context but then also on top of that here's the data that we have here's the aluminum content of these vaccines here's the aluminum content of the brains here's some articles attached here's the fact that they're doing this new test here's you know a graph maybe showing how vaccines went up and autism went up you know so coming to get, putting together something like that that has like some real data involved to give to healthcare providers, um, especially in our state, to try to like wake them up and open their eyes. And not only that, but also, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but from a legal standpoint, if you're presenting this to providers and you can prove like this provider actually got this document like four or five times, continue to ignore it and vaccinate children without ever questioning it. When, you know, when the whole thing falls apart, like, do you have legal recourse that they were warned about this, you know, that they had the data and chose to ignore it? That is very powerful. So that's something I would like to put together and something that I'm kind of working on. Um, I don't think it, it would just only apply to um, autism. It also would be great for things like type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is skyrocketing. Like, the numbers are going up exponentially. And they've convinced people that this is genetic and that it's just like familial and that there's like nothing you can do about it. But it's not true, it's also an autoimmune issue. And we have to look at the vaccines. You know, there are a lot of different, if you look hard enough, you can find that vaccines actually, just like they try to tell you viruses can cause it, like a viral illness, vaccines can cause type one diabetes. And it can cause it for up to like three, three or four years or something like that after you get the vaccine, you can start to have this autoimmune issue. That is very serious. Type one diabetes is extremely serious and the numbers going up is like not, it's not something that should be ignored. This is a public health epidemic. This is, this is huge, just like autism, but instead they wanna, you know, be all concerned about, you know, the latest pandemic and everything. These are things that are lifelong that are affecting children and adults now. Like they used to say that type one diabetes was juvenile onset well how come adults are getting it now how come you know adults are getting it later in life you know you have to look at are they getting flu shots are they getting more you know like boosters of tdaps different stuff like that what kinds of vaccines you know are they getting in proximity to this and that so that's another one that i haven't dove as deeply into but i do know that if you look at some of the european websites um because if you look at the cdc website it will tell you what are the causes of, of uh type 1 diabetes genetics environmental factors and viruses that's what they'll say what's an environmental factor that's what you always have to ask yourself 
Okay. Like, so when you go to the European, I found a European website. Well, it includes in their vaccines right in their list. And so you have to take into context the fact that the CDC will not necessarily lie to you, but they won't disclose the truth. They put these vague things up there to trick you into, you know, thinking that that's not an environmental factor. Well, it absolutely is. They're just being vague. And so that's another one that we could definitely have a letter about to, uh, you know, with documents attached, you know, different different research articles and stuff to alert providers that you might be giving your uh, patients type 1 diabetes when you pump them full of these shots. So that is one of my very next um, products that I want to work on. Other than that, I um, want to connect with local representatives to just inform them. And that's actually what Jill and Fiorella and I spoke about is going to meet with your local representatives, you know, especially like even just, we're not talking like, you know, your Senator, like your U S Senator or anything. We're talking state house, like, cause these people can protect you when they advocate for different laws, different bills and everything. So going, sitting down with like your state house, um, representatives, maybe your state Senate representative and telling them, you know, I want you to know that health freedom is so important to the people of this community. Here's why. Here's what can happen to them if we don't protect health freedom. You know, here's what will happen to your children's children. Here's what will happen on a large scale in the state. Like, here's what you can do to help. These are the types of bills I would like you to say yes to. These are the type of bills that don't benefit the people at all. They benefit, uh, you know, big industry. And I would like you to say no and um, just really educating them. So that is another step. I've actually just moved to a new parish. And um, so I've looked up who my representatives are, but I haven't had a chance to reach out to ask them to meet me yet. Um, A third thing that I do plan to do is if there are any good health freedom bills on, um, you know, coming up for state house, Senate or uh, state Senate, or even like, you know, they do their committee meetings, going down again, standing with the ladies of health freedom, Louisiana, and um, really supporting those bills, speaking on behalf of, you know, the people, of the children, for um, them to pass bills that protect us and block bills that take away our protections. So those are um, three things that I plan to do. Lots of other stuff libertarian-wise. I don't know if you all know, but I'm actually libertarian too. I say, I'm a libertarian for health freedom. Um, Health freedom comes first in my heart because I think it's the ultimate liberty you have to have bodily autonomy or you are not free. And so health freedom comes first, being a libertarian, you know, it's a part of that, but um, I have a lot of plans there, but kind of like always lean towards my health freedom plans. So, Yeah, that's awesome. Are you looking for anyone else um, to contribute? Because if you would like to put out a call to action, you can, or if you have any other call to action, you would like um, people to do, um, now would be your time to let them know. Oh, that's an awesome point. Yes. So I had put out like a request for this like a while, like a while back on my Instagram. Um, but I hadn't really, like I said, had a chance to do much with it. But if anybody has specific like autoimmune diseases that affected their family that they're very interested in, you know, whether it's like we talked about asthma, you know, something that onset childhood especially. Um, asthma, eczema, type 1 diabetes, autism, um, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, like all kind of other host of stuff, um, like anaphylactic allergies, like, you know, severe allergies, things like that. 
if you have anybody, you know, like you had a child that was affected by that and you're very passionate about advocating and researching and you feel that this was caused by um, vaccines and you have an interest in contributing to something like this, that would be absolutely amazing because I think it's something that we could do for a whole bunch of different um, issues caused by these products. And um, we definitely, you know, I can't do it all alone. So that would be amazing. Um, as far as reaching out to me, I don't have an email list right now or anything like that. Um, I'm working on probably getting a YouTube channel started. But right now I'm basically Twitter and my Twitter is THT Liberty Chick. That's not the best place to uh, really reach out to me because that, the DMs aren't like very user friendly. But if you want to reach out to me on Instagram, my Instagram is at that Liberty Chick and you can reach out to me. I answer basically every single one of my DMs, as long as it's not something like weird or just trying to sell me jewelry or whatever, you know, like those spammy ones. Um, so definitely reach out to me there if you have any interest in that. Or if you, you know, just want to support different health freedom things, especially if you're from Louisiana, you want to connect on those topics, like how can you get involved? Um, or even like, even if you have questions about like, how do I even know who my local representatives are? Um, how would I approach someone like them? Like you can definitely reach out to me and I can share with you that video that I did with Jill and Fiorella and also kind of like give you my tips and everything and show you how to do that. So I think it will change. I mean, obviously it already is like vaccination levels are decreasing. Even the breast implants are decreasing. Like I think that, you know, these things, they'll give us anything. This is the problem. Like the pharmaceutical industry and the healthcare industry will give us anything we think we want. They'll convince us of anything that we think we want and they'll sell it to us and they'll deal with the side effects later. And then they just say like, oh, well, we didn't know. We told you once we knew, you know, or like they just try to kind of like close their ears and eyes and keep on going till like the trend falls off. But um, this is a huge, a huge issue with, you know, just how medicine is conducted now. I want to talk a little bit about um, informed consent. So talking to more people in the medical realm and how we, the patients and we, the people are saying, well, you know, we're not getting informed consent from the doctor. Um, and it's because we have a very backwards view on what's supposed to happen. We think that the doctor is supposed to tell us of the risk of certain procedures and medication and vaccines and all of these things. And that's not really true. What we're supposed to do is get the information and we're supposed to do the research into it um, because that's truly how it operates. But what we have, we've created this trend where you say, um, if you do your own research, you're a conspiracy theorist. And if you know the information and you're not a doctor, well, then you're not um, like your information is useless because you're not a doctor. Like, what do you know? I always talk about how people always say, well, I'm not a doctor when they're taking some kind of um, medication or getting a procedure or things like that. But if you can pass this on to other people, the real way you're supposed to do it is get the information. And before you take the medicine, before you have the procedure, you are supposed to do the research. You cannot rely on your doctor for that information for two reasons. This one is the doctor doesn't feel that they're responsible to provide that. And two, 
it just seems like they're not taking accountability. It's your health. You have to care about your health. And it's unfortunate we got to this point and we should be able to trust our quote unquote medical professionals more than what we do. But right now, this is a really big problem. So we really have to change from a patient perspective and keep encouraging people to look into what it is they're taking. You're taking a medication. What are the ingredients? What are the tests? How long has it been on the market? You need to know all of those things, including the side effects, because when at the end of the day and you take the pill and you're the one that's harmed, you're going to have to deal with those consequences. And unfortunately, the doctor won't. That's exactly true. It's just like anything else. Like when they talk about defensive driving or like, I won't cross the street, like just because I'm in a crosswalk, if I don't think that the driver coming has seen me because the person that pays the price, if I'm wrong and they didn't see me is still me. Yeah, it might be their fault, but does that really fix my leg or, you know, save me from injury? No. And so I absolutely agree. And I think that it is one of the worst things is one of the worst trends out there to basically tell people like you can't do your own reading and you can't interpret this stuff because you don't have a certain degree. Like that is absolute, like no one should believe that no one should prescribe to that. Like it's just like, it's basically that expert, you know, we're the experts narrative that they always try to play on. But I honestly think like we need to, after the last three years, just saying like, it's time to take their expert card from them because if they're going to sit there and say like, well, we didn't know that this was going to turn out like that. We didn't know that this would turn out this way. We didn't know this would have this side effect. Well, it looks like you're not the expert anymore then. Okay. Basically you're telling us that you're just learning in real time. And even though we warned you that this looked like it would be a problem, you didn't know because you believe that you had to have like a scientific research paper tell you what to think. So you're not the expert anymore. We can look at things and think critically and come up with the right response, like better than y'all can because you're waiting for a study. And this is something that I also go off the rails on a little bit, but I almost think that the scientific method is like a means of control of information that has nothing to do with reality. They don't want you like, people who are funding these projects and stuff because why like either they have different you know therapies that they want to put out they have products that they want to sell you they have um you know even just university grants things like that they have research they want you to believe that the things that you see with your eyes that you experience in the world that you that you go out into the world and see happen time and time again can not be ex like explanatory of you know this i saw this and i got that they want you to be convinced that you have to have a research article with a double blind placebo and stuff which they don't even always do that by the way um to prove to you that this caused that otherwise you can't say that that is like to me it's almost like a demonic tool that they use on people like not to get too like spiritual warfare here but they're literally trying to convince you that what you see with your eyes and what you experience in your life isn't actually happening. And they do that in the name of science. They try to tell you that you need a scientist to sit and go, go waste a bunch of time to conduct a study to tell you whether or not what you actually saw happen really happened or not. This is a way that they control people. 
So I actually have like stepped away from science quite a bit as I've seen that is first of all, just full of holes. Second of all, it's full of funding from big industries. And third of all, like it's literally flies in the face of what's actually happening around me. And it turns out like they're also kind of trying to separate you from your intuition, which you should never let anyone do. But it turns out that if you go with your intuition, in my experience, you're better off than when you go with science. Like science will accidentally give you, you know, breast implant illness. Science will accidentally harm your children with all of these shots. But that intuition inside of you that says like, maybe these products don't belong in my body, like that is actually going to be serving you better than all these, you know, they're basically trying to play out the scientific method on you in some of these cases, like they're going to do something to you and then they're going to find out later what the results are. And um, those are just some of the issues with, with science that I see in general, where it's not really used as like a tool for our good. It's definitely a big industry thing, so. I completely agree on relying on your senses um, to determine your reality. That's why they try to control our speech so much too. So how we were talking about uh, like us doing our own research, that's where community and communication play a huge part in being able to make informed decisions is being able to openly talk with each other and discuss these topics in particular without being silenced. And, you know, we're in a world where a lot of that does happen online. Um, and that's the real harm in being and censoring people. Um, but, you know, they do that for the intent of us feeling alone, divided, and being under some kind of media control to think that, um, you know, just because we have these thoughts and these views that we're some kind of minority or they want us to feel alone just as much as they want us to live in fear. So, um, yeah, that was, I kind of wanted to bring that point back home. Yeah, I think that's, you know, absolutely correct. It's so bad that they try to censor us. Like, it, it's hard because I spend a lot of time on Instagram where you can't say, like, the word vaccine. And so then I find myself even in real life or other places, like, wanting to be, like, the product. Or, and then I'm, like, they've controlled my speech. Now, do I think that that's, like, some, some people are so hard and fast on the free speech aspect that they're, like, well, I'm not going to censor myself. Well, I mean, that doesn't work out very well, like on platforms like Instagram, you can't grow, you can't reach people unless you play their game. It's unfortunate. Um, I do think that one of the ways we can combat that is by shifting to places like Twitter, where we can use free speech and speak freely um, and giving them our support as opposed to spending a lot of time on a platform that, you know, censors us. I think if we move towards those more free speech platforms, like kind of like what we're on now, um, then that will inspire those other platforms to see that they're losing money and want to be better. So I think that that is a huge thing. One thing that I see a lot of this with is like, like uh, the one way that I think a lot of this connects is for me, I have started to see, you know, the world as basically a spiritual battle. There's just spiritual warfare going on and it comes out in all kinds of different ways. And so, like you said about the news, the news being demonic, the news is one aspect of spiritual warfare, trying to pump fear into, you know, the hearts of people. Um, there are so many other 
you know, other different forms of spiritual warfare that we face, like basically on a, on a daily um, basis. And I think that if you see the world through, you know, your senses, everything around you, but also the spiritual side, and you start to think like, what is this, you know, is this a spiritual attack? Like what is happening from this? What's this source really trying to do to me? Um, then you start to see life a lot more clearly and you can act accordingly. It's all a spiritual battle happening around us. So I try to be a little bit forgiving with people or at least at the very least understanding is like, okay, well, this person's kind of like, they're in this spiritual battle. They don't understand what I'm doing. Like they're not seeing it clearly and kind of like, you know, many aspects in the world, I feel like kind of have, have that um, going on. <clears throat> okay um we have one more question for you um did you want to talk about anything else before we ask our final question you good yeah it's getting late okay so i'm going to ask a question and then just wait one second we're going to turn the camera off of me and it's going to be just you and then you go ahead and answer if you need to take a minute to think about it go right ahead we can edit anything so um all right you ready so we have one final question for you. Before I ask, I wanted to just say thank you so, so much for joining us on Louisiana Sister Squad podcast. We really enjoyed having you. And the question is, if you had one minute to speak to the entire world, what would you say? Um, if I only had one minute, that would be really hard. Definitely, I would you know, encourage people to look at the spiritual battle that's going on in this world, like in this realm, to understand that a lot of the forces that are happening around us are a spiritual battle. We need to empower ourselves with, you know, looking at the world around us and making our own decisions because there are forces that are trying to confuse you from away from reality and towards like the narratives that uh, appeal to those sources. Of course, I would want to talk about vaccine injury, vaccines causing autism, but it is very hard to reach people on that level because a lot of people are very closed off on that. So I think that, you know, maybe providing a little bit of data would um, help there. Definitely talking about the aluminum um, and encouraging people to look into that as well. But when it comes down to it, like I said, the biggest thing is it's a spiritual battle. I'm a Christian, you know, God is in control. And if we put our faith in him and turn away from the things that are fear-based because even vaccination in general is fear-based. You're afraid that your body doesn't have everything, you know, given to you by God to protect itself. And that's a fear-based practice. If we start to move in faith and we see that spiritual battle for what it is, everything changes. You know, we stop making decisions out of fear. And when you stop making decisions out of fear, you have so much better of an outcome. So that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you did a great job. Thank you so much, Kalina, for being here today. You can find her on Instagram and on Twitter. Her Instagram is at that Liberty Chick. And on Twitter, it's at THT Liberty Chick. Yeah. All right. Thanks again. And we'll see you on Twitter space soon. Great. Thank you all so much. I really appreciated it. Being on your podcast was awesome. Um, and thank you everyone who watched. I really appreciate y'all taking the time to hear my story.